And good morning, everybody. I'm not sure I can move this. This looks like I see that. Um, there we go. Thank you. It's good enough. How's that? All right. We'll leave it at that. Thank you, brother. Not good. I'm good. Yep. I won't, hopefully I won't go that far back. It's good to see everybody, especially our visitors. Thank you for coming. Um, I want to share a few comments. We're going to have a split session today. I'm going to conclude our end time study. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, hindrances last week, as you would expect when you talk about that subject material. So we've been able to get that all resolved. So I'm going to share that with you, but I'll have some clarifying comments. Really important for people that have not been a part of this study since we began it uh, almost nine weeks, ten weeks ago. And, you know, there's, there's different sections of this. We started off with why we study end times. So we'll learn to watch and pray and we'll be prepared. Okay? Then we got into information in the world that we live in that technology is hurting us more than it's helping us. It's, it's beginning to push God out of our thoughts because the amount of information coming in is not leaving much time for God anymore. And we're seeing that especially with the younger generation. Then we moved into Bible prophecy and the reality of Israel being back in their land and how important that is for the end times as God begins to restore His people at the end of the tribulation period. And I'll, sp I'll explain that a little bit in a few minutes, what that means. And then we talked about apostasy. We're living in a time of apostasy. There's a falling away from the truth. It's fa happening faster than we can even blink an eye. And we're, we're that generation that's witnessing it. It's grieving to those that love Christ and love His Word. And we wonder why people won't tolerate even Christians today or accepting things that are so contrary to the Word of God. It's just it's mind-boggling. But we were warned about all that stuff. And the third piece is, is probably the most realistic for us as we live in a world of technology today and just most recently artificial intelligence. Now, artificial intelligence, for those who don't know, is basically mirroring the human brain and the systems that are out there. And we, for those that weren't here, we, he we heard from those that created it that are warning the world about how powerful it's becoming, how dangerous it will be. It will play a role in the future with the Antichrist and his ability to follow and track and, and go after people that don't accept worship of him. So... We don't know all the details, we're not clear on that, but what we do know is technology is starting to shape up for the world to come. What I've learned from all this is that God now and then gives His people a sneak preview of, of things to come. And that's what we've been getting. We're looking back on some things and we're looking forward on others. Now there's a lot of things with things to come that are positive, like our preacher talking about heaven the last three weeks. I don't know about you, but he gets to play the good cop in this, this story. Unfortunately, I'm the one talking about the mark of the beast and the image of the beast. I'm playing the bad cop right now. Because that information and that kind of thought that puts people into that, that, that situation is somewhat dark and it's depressing. It can be. And I certainly would agree with you that, that nobody should have a steady diet of this stuff. You know, it's good to know it, it's good to understand it, but it's not really relevant to you as a church-age saint. That's really important to understand that the things I'm going to show you this morning really aren't relative to you as a believer. Um, I think God gives us this stuff 
as hard as it is, as, as dark as it can become sometimes, I think God gives it to us and allows us to see this in a real world situation so that we don't put our eggs in this world's basket. God wants you to put your eggs and invest everything you have, your time, your treasures, your talent in the kingdom of God and the eternal things. And the end times is a reminder, it's coming. Whether you're going to die physically or the rapture takes place as a believer. And it's hard for us to think that way. But I think God gives us those glimpses now and then. He says, do not put your, your life's goods and your life's investment into this world. And I think when we see those things, what's coming upon the earth, and it's not good, folks. It's horrific. There's going to be an evil unleashed like no other time in history. And, and that ought to put fear in people, but if you're not saved. But if you're saved, no child of God, blood washed, born again, Bible believers should ever worry, should never fret about the future, should never be thinking that something is bad about the future is going to happen to you. And the reality is because your future as a believer is secure in Christ. So I'll prove that to you. John chapter 10, verse 28 29. Now before 28 he says, uh, um, he talks about the sheep. And, and, and my sheep follow me. And he's, this is what he says in John 10, verse 28, verse 29. And I give unto them eternal life. And they, you, as a believer, shall never perish. And no man, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My, and then what does he say? And my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. So you're in the hand of Christ, the hand of the Father. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty secure to me. So what are you worrying about? Who cares what happens in the future? But so why we study it? Because it's the counsel of God. He wrote it for a reason. And he write, I think he reminds us of this stuff to say, what are you living for? It, it, it keeps us in alignment with God's heart. That's really what this does. This stuff helps us, though at times it bothers us because we like life. Oh, but you, I enjoy life. And sometimes that puts a damper on it. But God's saying, hey, don't enjoy it too much. Because I'm, I'm, I'm to be your priority. So I, I think there's a reason why we're studying this. I don't know why God keeps pressing on this, this subject on my heart. But let me clarify something for people that have come in late to this series. Now you may have been watching online, but it's worth bearing for my sake and for yours to, to give you a, kind of a visual here of what we're talking about. The church, this is the church period. There is a period that begins for the church and ends. It begins on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down to indwell every believer. And, and what was the formation of the body of Christ, the church, which turns out to be the bride of Christ. God is ga gathering a bride for His Son. There's a beginning and there's an end. It ends in the rapture. That's when God calls every living saint up and those that have passed on already, he meet, they meet the Lord in the air and so shall they ever be with the Lord. That is the mystery that God put together. We don't understand it, but it's, it's what a dispensation known as the church age. So, everybody follow that, right? I think most mature believers understand that or clear on, uh, not everybody's clear on dispensation. But then there's a period called the tribulation period. The stuff we're dealing with takes place in the tribulation period. It's a seven-year period. 
Now, where is the church? The church is in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you ever worry about anything or fear anything, it's that right there. God's wanting to prepare you for that moment, that time when all your thoughts, everything will be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. When that's completed, then you begin the preparations for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's what, in that time, you will return with Christ at the second, at the end of the tribulation. The church will return with the Old Testament saints to the earth where Christ will reign as king. Now, I like to refer to that thousand-year reign of Christ as the honeymoon for the believers with Christ. The marriage supper and the honeymoon. Church, beginning end, tribulation period of seven years, and then the millennial reign of Christ. Now, during that seven-year period, did you ever ask yourself this question? Why is God supernaturally calling 144,000 Jews to preach the gospel? Have you ever asked yourself that? God is going to supernaturally call them, supernaturally seal them so they can't be harmed during the tribulation. Because in the tribulation, there's great death going on. Horrific events are happening. Why? Because the wrath of God is being poured out like no other time in history. A time Jesus said that never was, nor shall ever be again. So the wrath of God begins at the beginning of that tribulation. And He turns the heat up and the intensity of those judgments increase over that seven-year period. Because in the middle of it, the world accepts the Antichrist as God. That is going to infuriate God to a point that He's going to pour out wrath like we can't even describe it in human words. Now, what we're talking about occurs at that time frame. And the 144,000 Jews are called because the church isn't present to preach the gospel. The Jews have to do it. He calls them supernaturally. The God's taken the church. They're the ones who are supposed to proclaim the gospel, but they're not present. So he calls the Jews. Not only does he call the Jews, he uses angels to preach the gospel in that period of time. Now, brother, I can't even begin to explain to you some of the things that happened. I mean, it gets there. It's just hard to believe some of this stuff. Demons unleashed. Angels flying through the heavens preaching the gospel. I think to myself, how in the world do I understand that? But you know what? I believe it. You know why? Because God said it. I'm not going to argue with God. He knows a lot. He knows a lot more than I do, and he understands a lot more. So I'm just going to accept him at face value. So now is all this stuff happy, go lucky stuff? No, but it's it's meant for us to remember where the world is headed. How many have seen the world change dramatically in the last five years? Honestly, it is unbelievable what's happening. How now? You say, "Wow, it's been so fast." What's happened? I mean. I can remember in 1995 preaching a sermon on the unisex, that we're going to become one gender. I have all the notes. I look back, I have piles and piles of this stuff I've collected over the 30, 40 years. And I thought to myself, you know, we were just talking hot air at the time, thinking this is where it was going. Now we see it. We were talking about technology and the market of beasts, but we didn't understand it. But now we're seeing it. We're witnessing it. So we ought to be prepared as God's people. And he helps us with this stuff. So, with that said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to show some videos here, um, and these videos are meant really as a precursor, as kind of an insight as to the world preparing for what's coming. 
Now, I have no idea when this will happen. This could happen five years, could happen tomorrow, could happen a hundred years. I don't know God's timetable. I'm not even going to try. But I know one thing. We ought, we ought not be ignorant of the times or the seasons. As God's people, we should be aware of what's happening and prepare. Uh, not prepare as in like preppers. I'm talking about prepare as in being ready to be with God. What more important thing can you do than to be aligned with the heart of God? That's what life is all about, being fulfilled. So these videos, the first video is a video that takes place in Sweden. This is recent. The reason why I picked Sweden is because Sweden represents what the world will be like when the church is removed. Because the church is the salt of the earth. We're the ones proclaiming the Bible. We're the ones resisting evil. We're holding back. When the church is removed, the evil's unleashed. Lawlessness will, pro will proclaim all the land, will, will sweep all this world. And the believers won't be there to hold it back. So Sweden's a perfect example of a godless, atheistic society with no, no church, no Bible influence. And this is how they are viewing technology. So with that in mind, I meant to show you this first before we start that, but this is in the context of end times. You're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So you shouldn't be worried about this. Let's not sleep as well. Let's watch. Let's be sober-minded about this stuff. And there it is. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. That context is tribulation and times. We're not going through the tribulation. I know people may differ in that opinion and stuff like that, but I have a very strong conviction about when God pulls us out of this thing. And he says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. The wrath of God beginning, begins at the beginning of the tribulation. The good news, we're removed from that. I didn't say we're not going to suffer. People always say, oh, you're trying to escape suffering. I didn't say that. I don't know what will happen over the next 5, 10, 15, who knows. But I just know God didn't appoint us to his wrath during that period. So, let's watch this first video that takes place in Sweden regarding the microchip, which is a, a precursor of the mark of the beast. The city of Lund in southern Sweden dates back to medieval times. Over the centuries, it's witnessed plenty of change, but now there's a whole new sort of evolution going on. I'm here to meet some of the thousands of people in the country who are adapting their own bodies, who are inserting microchips under their skin. It means they may never have to carry a house key, train ticket or bank card ever again. This is a microchipping party. Yeah. Hannah's getting an electronic chip implanted into her hand. She believes one day we'll all be chipped like her. So congratulations, Hannah. Thank you. You've been chipped? Yes, I have. How does it feel? It feels good. I'm, I'm excited to see what... I'll be able to do now. Can I touch it? Yeah, you can, you can feel it there. I feel like this is the future. It's the next big thing that's going to happen. Happy cyborg birthday. Happy cyborg birthday yeah. to you. <laughs> Congratulations. Cyborg. But is this sci-fi fantasy or practicality? I want to know why anyone would want to do this. For this teenager, microchips, it seems are in her DNA. Alicia is my daughter and I'm the, the father. 
So you're a microchip family? We will become one now today. Magnus and his daughter Felicia have come here together tonight because they believe this is the future. You're going to have an upgraded dad. Yeah. <laughs> As they say, it was good being a human, but being a cyborg is better. It's a quick, simple procedure with potentially huge significance. So you're officially part machine. How does it feel? This is awesome. How cool is that? Good job. Do you think in a few years' time, in a decade perhaps, we'll all have things like this? Yes, of course. I really do think for around £130, anyone can get a tiny microchip like this inserted just beneath the skin in their hands. I can't help feeling a bit squeamish about it. I would agree with her. So this is just a precursor of how the world is slowly beginning to adapt this technolo technology. You know, it's just like our cell phones. They're only 15, 17 years old. Think about where we've gone from day 2005 with the first introduction of the cell phone. Today, I wear it on my, I have things that can, I can do on this phone, my phone, that are just mind-boggling we couldn't do even five years ago. So you see how the world is slowly building up to this time where the world will understand like, hey, I'm, I'm, they'll be lining up. But remember, to take the mark in the tribulation period, those people that do that, okay, are worshiping the beast. They're not taking the mark just to buy and sell. They're taking the mark to worship the beast. That's the key point component of it. The world will accept the Antichrist as God. He'll claim to be the false messiah, the Messiah, who will be the false messiah, and that's when God will unleash his anger, like in no other time in history. So we saw a little this second piece is just as important. What's happening in the world is in order for the image that comes alive. Remember that verse? It comes alive and that it, it speaks and then what it does next is it, it identifies those that worship the beast and those that don't. Those that don't are tracked down and hunted to ki be killed. Why? Because they're hindering the work. And so what has to happen is surveillance has to be improved and it has to be worldwide or whatever the situation is during the tribulation. So what these videos show you is China's leading the way with this apparatus, this surveillance. They're already testing it and they've successfully tested it and coupled it now with AI, the ability to track thousands of people within a second and identify those people and who they are, what they do, where they're at, what, and the world, China's already leading the way. They've been leading the way for quite some time. It's a race going on. Now, China is selling that technology to all the countries of the world, including the USA, and I shared that with you last week. A hundred cities have already put this technology in a place that's being used on what is called the Uyghur people of northern China, which are Muslims. They're Turkish-speaking Muslims that are being uh, living in a police state and being treated uh, with an ethnic cleansing. This stuff's happening before. This is real stuff. This is not made up you know, mythological, this is happening in our world. The reason why you never hear about it is because the whole world trades with China and they don't dare offend China. So what you're about to see is that technology. Listen carefully about how they talk about what this technology is about to do for the world. Because you have to have this in play for the Antichrist to what? Have control over 
all the world. And you'll see this kind of a precursor of what's to come. In 2019, horrifying footage from Xinjiang, China stunned the world. It showed shackled and blindfolded Uyghur Muslims taken off a train and marched into detention centers, part of a broader campaign that's been called a genocide. The guards put a helmet on my shaved head. Each time I was electrocuted, my whole body would shake. In an effort to keep the Uyghurs under constant watch, China transformed the province into one of the most heavily surveilled parts of the world. Every Uyghur over 12 years old is forced to surrender their biometric data, including voice, blood, DNA samples and iris scans. Now, China's surveillance state is going global. Chinese-based companies have sold their sophisticated technologies to over 80 countries. These systems make it easier for autocrats to spy on their populations. It's giving them an unprecedented level of control when it comes to the choices, communications, and private transactions that citizens are making. In Uganda, tech from Chinese companies like Huawei is allegedly used to spy on government opposition figures. I've been put under 24-hour surveillance. All our phones are hacked. And even in London, which is the third most surveilled city in the world, half of its councils use camera systems from companies linked to the abuse of Uyghurs. In the UK, there's an estimated 4 to 6 million CCTV cameras. More governments are moving towards the Chinese model of censorship and automated surveillance. China is a, a prototype of what the 21st century digital authoritarianism is. An unregulated global industry. Okay, so there was a lot being said there. If you caught it, it's like a test. Now that test has been successful, now they're selling to the whole world. Hawaii, I, I believe the, that's not the uh, correct pronunciation, but they did business in the United States and under the Trump administration, they removed them whereas the U.S. is not allowed to do business with them. So he removed, why? They were spying and taking our secrets, trades, and they were using it, that data to collect it on American people. So they said enough of that. And that's, that's who's behind this technology, and it's sweeping the world. It's in every country just about today. So again, surveillance is being built up. You couple that with incredible artificial intelligence that's happening, and you got a world that can be controlled by a few. That's what they were saying. The, the aristocrats and the, that technology in the hands of a few is very powerful where it can control. This is the last, uh, uh, it kind of uh, reinforces what we're talking about here, but I know people from China. I have a doctor in Georgia that uh, his wife goes to China. He went to China, and they, they're the ones who first shared with me this credit scoring system. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I went back and studied it. And all the Chinese now have to, they have to, uh, they're basically being tracked about their score. They do good things, they get a better score. They do bad things, they, they lose on their score. And they can, they can do less in society. And you're going to see that here. This is real world. This is happening to our very eyes. This had played out. The government has repressed the Uyghurs at an unprecedented level, holding many in mass-scale detention centers. Witness accounts, satellite imagery, and Communist Party documents reveal what appears to be the largest imprisonment of people on the basis of religion since the Holocaust. The region has become the testing ground for the next generation of surveillance tools. An immense network of security cameras, some equipped with facial recognition, 
is constantly monitoring the streets. You almost have what some have described as a laboratory of digital surveillance where these AI companies have tested what is possible when it comes to collecting all manner of information and then using those uh, for fairly chilling and insidious security purposes. And it's not just Xinjiang. Many of these technologies are being deployed across the country. From smart cities that use AI to contact the police when it detects wanted criminals, to a social credit system that ranks you. Everywhere she goes, Ouyang Haoyu is followed. What she buys, how she behaves, is tracked and scored to show how responsible and trustworthy she is. When the Chinese citizen does something or doesn't do something, this kind of system will rate them, will incentivize them, or punish them. It provides a futuristic model for controlling its 1.4 billion population. So there you have it. So China's leading the way in this. And I realize America's just not going to go for that right now. But the world's going to be different when, when the tribulation begins. And I think we need to understand this stuff that I'm talking about is not relevant to you as a church-age saint. God's going to protect you from these horrific events. But He's also providing this so you know this is what the world is coming to. Why would you invest into this world? That's what really God wants from us. Give, give Him everything. And I'm going to give you some things that will encourage you because th- that stuff's kind of d- dark and depressing. It's happening. This is a real world. But we don't, what we like to do is when stuff like this is happening, we like to hide our head in the sand because we don't want to hear about it. We, don't want, to, we want to just live our life. Leave us alone. We don't want to. And then, boom, one day life changes. Or it happens so subtly you don't even know it's happening. So... Enough of all that. May the Lord help us. And these are the, some verses that came to mind. Now, I didn't put these verses, I didn't put the scripture up, but I think most of you understand this comes from the Bible. So uh, I'll go through this right here. This is, remember the credit scoring? They track everything about her that no man might buy or sell. Do you think the world's preparing for that? Save he that had the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And there are, I didn't even get into the variations of the mark. I just talked about the, the insert of the microchip, but there's other things to talk about. And then, of course, the image of the beast should speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So the image is artificial intelligence and its capability of tracking people, which is what you saw a, kind of a glimpse into it. So with that, what does that mean for us as believers? Watch and pray. And we ought to be a people of prayer. We ought to be busy. We're watching what's going to happen, but we're praying for souls to be saved, and God's people to live right, right? Look up. God wants you to look up. Boy, oh boy, does he talk about this all the time in Scripture. He said in Colossians 1, If if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections. You know what that means? The things that you love the most. How many love your children? That's affection, right? You have great affection towards your children, your grandchildren. In some cases, your great-grandchildren. Anybody have any great-great-grandchildren in here? Whoa. Your great-great-grandchildren. Set your affection. He's saying take that affection and set it above. Wow. Set your affection on things above. Why? Not on things of this earth. That He might deliver us. You know why God saved you? To deliver you from this present evil world. You're supposed to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Well, the more I know it's coming, the more I ought to be looking, right? 
It's a glorious appearing. It's not the return. It's the appearing that we look for, which is the, the appearing of Christ in the air for his saints. But, all, but the end of all things is at hand. Well, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. You saw how that's going to end. And God's going to clean it up, by the way, folks. And he's going to rule and reign, you know what the Bible says? With a rod of iron. His way or the highway. He's had enough. And seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? In all holy conversation, that's a lifestyle and godliness. Hey, we're looking for, and look at hasting. You know what hasting means? Grab a hold of it and don't let go. This ought to be on your mind all the time. Jesus can come again today. I want to reflect that if he were to come today, how's my life lining up? Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, now we're not looking for the mark. We're not looking for, we're looking for, we're li listening really for the trumpet. Seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, hard at work, be found of him, what? In peace, without spot and blameless. Why? Because we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that ought to help us, folks. And that's enough of this series. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to kick off now in our next slide. I'm going to have Wendy give her a second here to get this started. And this is on the book of 1 Corinthians. I've been thinking about this study now for, <clears throat> for about a good year. I've been preparing for it. Um, it's a lot easier to put notes down than it is to put notes on a PowerPoint presentation. Because there's a lot behind what we're going to talk about. Um, I'm not necessarily going to do a verse-by-verse -verse expositing of the book. I'll do a topic, but it'll also cover a lot. And that's, you know, right now that's probably the method that I'm going to use. But I'm finding it's a, it's a tremendous study. I know that it's very basic for God's people, but there's, a tremendous, there's tremendous truth found in the book of 1 Corinthians. There's a reason why God gave it, even though the church was a mess. And really it's a guidebook on Christian conduct. This book is written to address Christian conduct and how believers are to behave in the church. Now, we, I'm talking to a mature, what I believe, a mature group of believers. So, you know, this is not something that is typically found with mature believers. This is typically what you find with immature. But you have a lot of people getting saved. Young and old get saved. They've come out of the world, and we're going to talk about that. They've got so much world on them and so much baggage that God's got to clean them up and work with their lives. Now, some of you got instant sanctification. Now, we all got instant sanctification, made holy with God. But our life is a process of sanctification, being made holy. And there's a lot of things that God has to purge in our lives when we get saved. Amen? How many is God still purging from your life? Still trying to clean you up? Well, if not... I need to meet you and I need to understand the secret of how you got arrived to where you did. Because there's no such thing as arriving. God's always working in your life in the process of sanctification. Well, these were really, wait till you see what kind of world they lived in. It's similar to ours. You'll see that it's pretty profound. And we'll go into all this background on Corinth, what it was like, what, why Paul did not want to go to Corinth, why he didn't want to stay, I should say. And God had to intervene. You're going to see, and then how he wrote all these things to the book or to those Corinthians to, to get them straightened out and how to behave in the house of God. 
In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writing to a young preacher by the name of Timothy, who, by the way, Timothy was often associated with Paul and his, and his journeys. He says, but if I tarry long, thou, may, thou mayest know how to, thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So there are 16 chapters in this book. So no, if we did verse by verse, we'd be here for 18 months. I'm, I'm sure of it. So we're going to have to, you know, kind of pick topics and stuff. We'll go through all, a lot of verses. There's 437. It ter turns out to be the longest epistle Paul wrote. Does anybody know this, the second longest book that Paul wrote? You would think so, but it's Romans. Romans had 433 verses. So 1 Corinthians beats it out by four. Four verses. It's Pauline authorship, of course, and it's divided into three major sections. This is just a, a preview. The, the next couple weeks we'll be digging into a lot of the background. It's important to have that to understand the book of Corinthians. So chapters 1 through 4 is about contentions. The division that was going on in this church was raised to a level that caught Paul's attention to where he had to address it. No mature church should have any disunity in it. Now people disagree with each other all the time. There's folks in here that don't agree with me on some stuff, and I may not agree with you. But guess what? We love each other and we get along. Now, if it's a major doctrinal issue, that's another story. Okay, that's, that's something that has to be addressed or we have to, you know, let's not cause contentions with that issue. However, you know, mature believers seem to be in unity. You'll see that as Paul addresses it. But there's a lot of factions going on, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through all that in detail. There's a lot of fornication going on. And if you understood Corinth, you'd understand why they have a problem with fornication. Now, do you think America has a problem with fornication? Now, you got people that get saved, they're living together, right? Young people, someone gets saved, and they got tough choices to make. You know, but some people ought to think that on day one, you got to get out of that situation. You got to work. You got to have mercy. You got to have grace. You got to you got to take time. So, I, yes, they need to separate. But they need to understand why they're to separate. They just trusted Christ. They said, "Oh, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a, and I believe in Christ." But now, the process of sanctification. Well, these people had a real problem. I mean, really horrible problem with fornication. Then Paul, from chapter seven through sixteen, deals with a lot of issues. Uh, of things that they wrote to him about, that they were concerned about, and they had questions about. And that's, listen, I love believers who are inquisitive about the things of God. They don't understand. Oh, what does that mean? What is that? That's how you learn and grow. And that's how Paul addresses it. And from that, we learn great doctrines. Did you know we learn about the rapture in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Do you know we learn about, more about the resurrection and the glorified body? There's so much that comes out of the book of Corinthians that's profound in our doctrinal truths today that we believe. So, the book of Corinthians is going to reveal the problems, the pressures, and the struggles of a church that's called out of a pagan society. And you can see all the things that, that are addressed, and more, that are addressed in the book of Corinthians. So we're going to deal with all those topics at some point. Uh, and sometimes in detail, sometimes we'll just cover it in a broad stroke. But you know what God does to every believer? God picked up the phone, and had you picked up the phone, he says, hello, this is God, like Marilyn, this is God. He said, I got a, 
I've got something for you. Are you willing to listen? Now, this isn't some used salesman calling you with a fishing scam. He's calling to say, hey, I got something for you. Now, a lot of people get that phone call, and what do they do? They click. God's calling you. He picks up the phone again and says, hey, Marilyn, I've got something for you. You ready, you ready to listen? Now, I don't know how many times you clicked on God. A bunch. I probably did too. I think a lot of us heard from God and we weren't ready. Aren't you glad God isn't willing to give up on you on the first shot? I was a young kid. I, I was a wild man. Yeah, oh my, that's right. I won't even go into that story. And I believe God called me many times. I believed in God, but I didn't know, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And one day he called. Say, hey, Todd, are you willing to listen? Yeah, God, I'm ready. I need to listen. Maybe, maybe that was a good thing because that might have been the last call I got. And I listened. And God says, okay, here's what, I'm, here's what I did for you. I believe that, Lord. Well, good, I'm going to give you eternal life. But now I'm going to clean your life up. I got a lot to teach you over the next whatever years you're going to live. And that's what God did to these people. He called them up. They answered. You'll see this. That God had these people before they knew they were going to be saved. That's the foreknowledge of God. He knew they were going to be saved, and that's why Paul stayed. You'll see that. Because Paul did not want to stay, and for good reasons. But he got there, he called them, they answered. Now God spends the next 16 chapters cleaning them up and showing us what he did for them. As the Bible said, and I love this verse, and such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of God of Jesus Christ. Woo! You're going to have me a spell, as Pastor would say. Such were some of you. Wonderful that God is long-suffering and merciful in our lives, and that's what He's going to display throughout the book of Corinthians, because these were His people no matter how messed up they were. God loves you no matter how messed up you are. He's going to love you till the end. Let's pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.